with that being said, we're getting into the conscious chop. You know, I'm going to start this off by saying I know and recognize that we need unity in the community. You feel me? We always need unity in the community. And one of the issues of why we don't have unity in the community is that we have a lot of kind of things that divide us, that become devices. And in some instances, we have literal tools of divide and conquer that's used against us. Right. I want to forefront that in a conversation by saying that even if we recognize that things are being used to divide us, we have to deal with how and why they are dividing us. With that being said. Let's have a conversation about black male fragility. Is it a thing? Before I ask the question, I want to make sure we give a actual definition of fragility, just so people know kind of where we're going, uh, kind of where we're coming from, kind of what's going on. You know, the uh, definition of, fragi of, of, of fragility, it, uh, it, it reflects the degree in which a temperate dependence or a vicissity, uh, I think I'm saying that right, you know, defensive, argumentative, uh, nature comes when you're for uh, uh, when you're presented with a particular situation or a particular you know issue. You know what I'm saying you become you know argumentative and defensive and you know what I'm saying dismissive and you want to run away or you get aggressive. You know what I'm saying. Um, my question is just in general: Do you think that black male fragility is a thing? Comment section, y'all. Mm. Mm. I would say I, I do. I do. I, th I think black male fragility is a thing. But what I think it's a thing in terms of uh, it's, it's a part of like the way that black people, specifically black men, adopt like Eurocentric uh, ontology or, or, or epistemologies more so. You know what I'm saying? They, they adopt Eurocentric pedagogies, specifically when it comes to like social categories and social groups. And they, they attach themselves to that, uh, to those things. And then they end up adopting the same fragility that white men uh end up destroying the world with you feel me so it's like these you know the heteronormative understandings of shit and the, the you know the no homo and you know all all of that type of shit that aspect or and, and really even 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 to the more dangerous side the uh you know a trans woman hit on me that's crazy i ain't gay all of that type of shit all of that more so speaks to you know the 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 fragility that we are that we're mimicking that white men adopt or not that white men created in this country in terms of socially. And then, you know, we're playing it out the same ways and reaping none of the same benefits. Right. Our fragility doesn't change the world. Our fragility doesn't dictate the economy. Our fragility doesn't dictate policing. It's it, it ends up becoming a result of policing. You feel me? So ultimately we've adopted this, this fragile, uh, this fragile uh, white male persona and we don't get none of the benefits from it. Agree. Cross apply all of that. And I'll give you two examples of some of the most annoying examples of white. I mean, I'm sorry, black male fragility. The first annoying example of black male fragility outside of all the great examples Namo just gave is when you have conversations about black men and about black male fragility. And there is this tendency for black men who don't feel like they are a part of that or that perpetuate any of the problematic things that black men do or that they're better versions of black men to be like, not me, though. Okay, well, then good for you. Like when I had posted, we had posted something on the Chapo page before, and it sat with me for a long time about black men. Um, and it was a page about black men doing better. I think in response to Breonna Taylor, a lot of black men was like, well, y'all need to get on here and say some black men or good, and you know, not all because not all black men. I'm like, cool. You know what I'm saying? When people talk about rapists, if you're not raping nobody, then why are you sitting up here being big in the chest? We don't need to know that you don't rape people. Just like 
keep not raping people, right? Like keep not doing problematic things. You don't always have to jump up. That is an example and a demonstration, in my opinion, of white male fragility. I mean, I'm sorry, black male fragility. Well, you where you feel like the need to prove that you, instead of just demonstrating and living and being by example not those things that you are like it demonstrates that fragility in a really weird way the other side of where i feel like this fragility comes in is where we see a lot of comments from black men that talk about how you know black women or the black community don't care about black you know we don't really care about the issues black men do we, we can't talk about our pain we can't talk about our issues if we do y'all laugh at us y'all use that to turn it around on us and this that and the other and they'll use that as excuse for the reasons why they don't allow for or about that they don't talk about their issues they don't really express what they're worth they're going through they're not supported but the other side of it is that when men cry and men express themselves and men talk about what they're going through they end up being called gay they end up being called soft they end up being called punk so the same people you know y'all mad because y'all can't come to black women to heal because we treat you bad but y'all realize y'all also can't go to each other because every time somebody tries to put their guards down and try to be open and talk through and work through what they're dealing with, you call them gay, you call them soft, you tell them we, this ain't that type of party, we don't do that type of shit around here, all that crying shit. And so it's just this really weird paradoxical where the black men have trapped themselves inside of that makes it hard for them to even help themselves. And it's a struggle. Yes, black male fragility is weird and it plays out in some of the darndest ways. Well, you know, uh, we want to get to uh, some of the. Let me answer a question in the chat. Let me answer a question in the chat about what I said. Uh, Lester J said, whether by adoption or rooted, which is debatable, how does that align with the question of whether it exists? I mean, it aligns with the question of or it is the way to dismantle it answered and where it comes from. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when you, t and to repeat that, because he's asking whether or not it's adoption or rooted, uh, adopted or rooted, like inherent. You know what I mean? um how does that align with its existence well if we're saying that it's adopted then we saying it exists right i mean and saying it's adopted goes that extra step to understand its adoption right to say that it's inherent is difficult because all we know is american culture in terms of what how we've been socialized so oh, yeah. what we know for sure is that the culture that we've been socialized in is antithetical to uh, who we are as a people based on how we ended up over here in the first fucking place and yeah. everything they teach us about us and where we came from. You feel me? What we, and what we have to see a lot of times is that what we have in America is a very, very insidious relationship with power. So you have very terrible demonstrations of mimicry. Yeah by people who have dis been disempowered. This is why you have black people, black capitalists who go in and try to subvert those positions and come in and only recreate the same oppression against their own people in a more local, quick, swift way because you're trying to take these positions of power and flip them and just put a black face on them. The same things happen when we look at black men and how they attempt to kind of placate their stance and their place in the status quo and kind of compete with white men. You ain't never going to be that baby. So when you have internalized that perception of power, you end up being just as toxic to your own people and to yourself as you thought right. you were being to the white people you're trying to compete with. And just to you add to that before I get into my second question, I think that it come down to like, I, feel, I feel like y'all gave me the perfect frame to jump into what I call plantation patriarchy and literally niggas wanting to be the master. So in my mind, it's like people uh, a lot of times when I feel like black, black male, black male fragility kind of shows itself and starts to kind of, you feel me, be manifested is when niggas is getting defensive or mad because they're being exposed to being hypocritical about something and or they're mad about not being censored, you know what I'm saying, in a particular narrative. And because they're not being censored, they start, you know what I'm saying, having these knee jerk reactions or throwing tipper fits and tipper tantrums and shit because we're so used to being censored. 
We're so used to being, you know what I'm saying, the 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 the, the prioritization of what matters. And when I and what I've learned from my little platform that I've been able to build is that particular niggas, you feel me, would really act out. But going to what Toya is saying, I feel like only a hit dog hollers, man. If the if the listen, if it applies, if it don't apply, you, but if it don't fly, then let it fly. Let it fly. You know what I'm saying? And I think that a lot of times when people are giving analysis of about, about black men being homophobic or black men not caring about black women, you being the not all me, you make yourself look stupid and you make yourself seem like the guilty party. You know what I'm saying? Because in my mind, it's like when you said about the rapists, if I'm giving an analysis about how men are more in terms of trending when it comes to rape, this don't need for all men to say, but I don't rape, though. You sound stupid when you say that. I might even look at you. I might even, yeah. damn, you know what I'm do saying? You? you did, shit. Yeah. Like, like when, when motherfuckers say, you know, black men do this, I, I am not, in, I don't feel any need to be like, I me, I don't. Fuck, I'm black men is part like, of the problem or you part of the solution. So what are you it. doing as a black man to be able to stop this narrative from taking place? So you if, got, you, you, so if you really tired of niggas being called homophobic and you really tired of niggas being called sexist, what is you doing? To make it where we not being called homophobic and sexist no more. Is that now, simple? Now, Nate uh, introduces an interesting aspect to the conversation before we get to that next question. He said that I don't think black male fragility is about attempting to garner patriarchal structures entirely. It's just as much a remnant of slavery. Uh, a remnant of slavery. We're going to, yeah, I, I may have said that wrong or whatever. We're going to keep yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, I don't think niggas want what white men have or can do. It's what happens when trauma meets up, meets a fucked up view of power dynamics. And I think, and I, and to be clear, Nate, I think that in, in terms of saying they want what white men have, it's not like I want to be the white man. I think right. you're 100% right. That is much deeper. Or like Iggy says, it's much more insidious. And we think that's what it's supposed to be like. We think that is what right looks like. And that's where it's, and that's where it gets complicated in terms of having the conversations. Because what I always say to niggas is you have to question what you think is normal. Because okay, let me because here's how I'm playing out this in my mind. This got banned off of TikTok for having controversial content for 10 minutes. So what we're talking about right now is so controversial, apparently. It triggered the TikTok. Literally, right now, as we, I was TikTok live. Literally, I just got like, literally, it say, I'm banned for 10 minutes for controversial, being controversial. One time. That's crazy. TikTok is a huge hater. Yeah, man. Yeah, go ahead, I, Tony. I was... I, we can. I. I lost my train of thought. Let's. Uh. What was. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, but that, but but what, 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 what are we talking about? That making what they were talking about in terms of power dynamics. And and I, I agree. I want to agree. Right. I think I've situated this notion that black women want black men want what white men have in a way that might not necessarily be true to the typical narrative. I don't think black men or all black men necessarily want a white woman, for example, right? I'm not talking about that kind of black male fragility. I mean, that's an example of it in relationship to black women. I know some black men are just like, I don't deal with black women. They're hard to deal with. I date outside of my race yeah, because we're talking about, about, talk about them. We ain't talking I'm about them. Black men who set up their relationships with the women in their lives, their intimate relationships that put women in a position of subordination because white men don't have to deal with all that talking back from white women and white women. And they they ascribe to that level of docility to those dynamics. And they I want I want to come home to my castle and tell my wife and have this and have that ready. Where a black woman, I, mean, I want to be the white man. 
Well, I mean. Black women might be looking for more of a partnership. That might not be how y'all shit is aligned. We, we talked about submission, right? We had the conversation about who should submit in relationships. My nigga, if you're not really putting yourself in that type of, you know what I'm saying, occupying a submissive role for somebody to submit to you, then maybe your relationship dynamics necessitate that the woman come, you know what I'm saying? But because you locked in and trying to make your shit look like that, you end up falling into very problematic tropes of what black masculinity ends up having to look like. I know to add to this, one of the reasons why I made this one of the topics is that come one of the conversations I was having with, you know what I'm saying, a gentleman that's a little older than me, he was literally making an argument about the black nuclear family and why black men don't get to lead the black nuclear family. And in my mind, once he started using the framework of the nuclear family, I already knew that he had the desire of the you know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know what to call it. You think I got, I got my debate people here, so I don't want to have no. Well, well the, the, the language that I use, the language that I use, about the preservation of the nuclear family, the black nuclear family. But it was literally in blackface what white folks want. Yeah, well, I mean, what, what, what I what I refer to that as is this is when black people become unwitting agents of white supremacy. Yes, you're you're an unwitting agent. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you're an unwilling participant. You don't know that that's what you engage in. But the desire for a quote unquote because. Again, this this whole idea of the nuclear family shit, this intersects with the issues that most people have with Black Lives Matter and and um and uh, uh lesbian women lead like leading the charge or I think like queer women. I don't really know they you know what I'm saying they they dynamics and all like that. But you know what I mean women that are outside of the normative understandings of sexuality and relationships. Those women led the charge on Black Lives Matter. Black men from that from from that same fragile standpoint have created a coalition against Black Lives Matter on the basis that it challenges uh, or it, it is against or it, it is attempting to undermine nuclear families simply because queer black women are the face of it. That's when fra that's when fragility becomes even politically detrimental because we can't even organize on the basis that your like your fr fragile ego can't look at a woman in leadership without asserting some type of gender role, gender dynamic, or some archaic understanding of what leadership. And, I mean, and then what? What is the most annoying by that is that you know people look at the fact. Well, you want to talk about traditional nuclear families? Well, black women have had to leave families. Well, that's because of you know what I'm saying. Look at the Morning Hair report. Look at how Man, they bring up the Willie Lynch letter. They bring up the Willie Lynch letter and the dude that I was going to do that I was having engagement with. He was saying how he worked in the corporate world and that he didn't had a black woman boss, two black women bosses, and a white man boss, but he ain't never had a black man boss. Basically, he was using that personal experience to say that this shows how black men this that and the other. And in my opinion, it was like, fam, this is black. Male for jittery. This is white folks do, fam. You actually like you literally putting a Karen on me right now, and yeah, I ain't you, it. You know, and what, you know uh, what? What it's similar to is, and this is white fragility, right? Like, and this is where I talk about race and class in a sec. It's similar to the fact that you have white men that are usually fucking over other white men at their job. The CEO of a company, the person that takes away they they uh, they benefits, fuck up your four hundred one k, fuck up your pension and all of that shit because they got the million dollar bonuses. That was another white man. You bring in one brother as a manager, you know what I'm saying? One nigga as a manager, and then the whole everybody flip out all affirmative action. All you know, they 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 always give black people this, and black people are trying to do this, and black people are trying to do that. You've had white people complaining about government for uh for what for up to 44 or 43 presidents. All of a sudden, you get to the 44th, and it's his fault. All of this land on him. You know what I'm saying? And so what happens with black men is we see what looks like what are threats to whiteness, and we take that on ourselves. 
Hey, hey, into, uh, into, I'm going to answer this question real fast and then get, and then keep the conversation going. Uh, Jester wants to know what is a nuclear family? A nuclear family is literally a couple, uh, a couple and their dependent children as regarded as a, a basic social unit. So it's literally a hetero, two, 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 two people, heteronormative man and a woman, nuclear family, where the man is always the breadwinner, always the provider, always the leader. The woman is always the home giver, always the home taker. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I always, always the person that's giving the home care and taking care of the children. And this is what we all should be striving to in terms of a family structure, a home structure. And it's basically what the American kinship is situated around is like the nuclear family. And a little bit of context about nuclear. Mm -hmm. Nate said y'all locks are beautiful. Appreciate that, Nate. Much love to you. Your journey. Yes, I mean. Well, Nate's locks are So shout out to you for appreciate having it, Appreciate it, Nate. Yeah, whatever. Just to add on to the understanding of it, it's not like nuclear, like the type of power, like kaboom, like bombs. It's scientific, like a nucleus, right? So like those connected bonds that, that are kind of make up the structure of the home, just like an atom uh, is has a nucleus or, you know, chemicals and shit. Have a nucleus. That's kind of where it comes from. Um, yeah, and homemakers are the phrase that I think uh, yeah, that's, that's what I was looking for. Shout out to the person that, you know what I mean? So, so, so I think just to keep the conversation going, definitely. In my opinion, one of the greatest examples of black male fragility is this idea that the LGBT community is out to emasculate niggas. It's out to make niggas feminine and out to take our masculinity away. I know how y'all feel about this, but I'm asking specifically what do y'all tell people that believe in the black male emasculation conspiracy? How do you respond to it? First of all, shout out to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> my guy. Thank you, Chris. You know what I'm saying? My guy. <laughs> Thin hair game. You feel me? Period. Go ahead, tell you. Um, what do we say to people who do what? Uh, in terms what, of the conspiracy theories about the DA. people that talk about the black male emasculation conspiracy theory, well, I, yeah. I know how y'all feel about it, but in terms of the conversation about black male fragility, I think it's a perfect example of black male fragility. How niggas believe that homosexuality is the most current example. The presence of homosexuality is here to emasculate us all. What is y'all response to the conspiracy theory about emasculation of black men? Um, I. It's sad. I mean, I think it worries me because it it, it really, it, again, it, it is just so hypocrit hypocritical. Black men complain a lot about being put in boxes and they put niggas in boxes and it hurts my feelings. You know what I'm saying? I hurt for niggas who have a lot of their whole personhood be projected on them because of one part of their identity, right? Because you do alternative things or things that like a not a lot of, of black people or black men do. But I, it's, it's, and it's so weird. It's like you read a lot, you get Oh, you uh don't like to play. You don't watch sports. You don't follow. You gay. Uh, you you ain't dating niggas right now. You ain't really. You ain't really in. You gotta be gay. Like, and that's so. It's it's really kind of like weird that we have projected that onto a culture that has done that to us. When I really think men, black men in particular, do it to themselves. So when you say a movie or a TV show or something that's happening, socially did that shit. I'm like, have you talked to yourself and your counterparts lately? The TV ain't did that shit. You did that. Y'all doing that. Don't you blame that on the TV show? Them niggas kissing did not hurt you, harm you, nothing like that. The whole logic of emasculation is something that started in you when niggas told you to stop crying, when people told you to act like a boy, when you sat up there. And I, I, the list can go on and on in terms of the ways that black men create these barriers for each other. But stop blaming it on a culture. Nobody is forcing you to do anything you wasn't already about to do, baby. But Toya, the gay agenda, though. Yeah. You know what's at the top of it? Being able to mind your own damn business. So... <laughs> 
I don't I don't know what the, what you want, what they want. You in my business? Yeah, I, th- I think I it's mind my damn business. I think it's this is this is one of the more frustrating aspects of talking about like black um conversations and black consciousness now because it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Out of all the things, they don't need us to be gay. Us being gay has never been the centerpiece of our, of, of 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 fucking over black people. Turning black men gay, if they wanted to wipe us out, it's a lot of ways that they could do that. And actually, from a capitalist standpoint, wiping us out don't even make sense. You feel me? There is literally, there is literally no uh, 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 logic behind what it means. Well, they want us wearing dresses. Why? Well, because we won't be strong enough. We ain't that shit now. <laughs> what are you doing? You ain't nigga. You you got on the baggiest jeans. You got on a tall tee from 2006, nigga. A fitted cap that's two sizes times your head. You got you probably got a gun in your back pocket, nigga. You you, you got a pack, nigga. You you handling business. You beat a nigga up last week, and when the police pull up, you turn around, you put your hands on that fucking wall, and you get in line. Masculinity has def- has done nothing to protect you from white supremacy. So robbing you of your masculinity does nothing. To further your oppression, nigga. Whether you got it or whether you not, they don't even look at black masculinity the same way. It's okay. beast like. So you feel so, me? So, so my follow up. Hold on, hold on, George. Hold on, George. Hold on, George. Real quick, like, cause, 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 I, I, I'm, I, this is. I've been thinking about what, 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 because I know you was talking shit early. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about. Yeah, let me, let me really be clear about how I feel about this shit, and it's nonsensical. Your masculinity has never been the key to protecting the black family because black masculinity has never been seen as something human. It was beast-like. Nigga, you was in the field. Yeah. When they talk about black masculinity, they're not trying to rob you. They've already robbed you of your humanity. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean they're trying to rob you of your masculinity? They robbed you of who you are as a person. Yeah. Yo, you were deontologized, yeah. nigga. And you, know who got human, and, and you know who got masculinity? Humans. <laughs> exactly. I mean, which is not something that black people, in particular black men, have access to, right? So you gotta. It's kind of the same people who talk about uh, or try to flex and don't realize that they poor. Like you up here trying to look down, <laughs> your nose up at people, poor people. You poor. You a poor baby. Right. Like I don't understand. You the the, the process. You, the process has already happened to you. So to try to shift into this protective mechanism where you're keeping yourself something is to not be aware of the positionality, right? A feminized, right? A lot of times we look at it where you, I, I like to use the phrase feminized people uh, just the same way we use as uh, politically, we might talk about feminized states, right? These are states that have been subordinated in a very particular way under the hegemonic power that exists. So we look at countries that end up, are dependent on larger nations for their economy to thrive, to have the things that they need. We also look at people like black men and women and trans folk and queer folk. All of those are feminized people, even if they're not queer, right? Because you have been put in a position of subordination, which is how you have to understand how you juxtapose white men, for example, right? Which is why that becomes kind of the metric that we tie and hold a bunch of stuff against. And that's because it, they don't have some master agenda to emasculate you that is any more unique than what the process has always been. It's always already been here in the ways that it's existed. You know, hey, and, and I guess for our last, if I ask this last question, the only thing I would say to that is there is a way for you to able, there's a way for you to acknowledge how emasculation happened on the plantation and you know black men being raped by like you know the slave master and things like that 
And also you acknowledge that the LGBT community just want to be able to exist and want to be able to represent it and just want to be able to mind their business without being worried about being cute. It's a way for you to acknowledge the complex history of black men and how masculinity has been attacked in terms of the history of America, in terms of white supremacy. But I don't think we have to couple that and fold that in with saying that therefore black LGBTQ people are deviant, weird ass white supremacist uh, 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 inventions. That the white man created and you know what i'm saying I, I think that we don't have to go i feel like there's a way for you to be smart and have nuances and understanding you know what i'm saying both things that one of these things is true over here but it's not true over here you know what i'm saying and i think that you know i just want to get, get that out there but it's a, as a as a as a as a closing question that i'm hoping that's going to really the point of this conversation is to be able to spark critical conversations not only when y'all watching this podcast but y'all can have when y'all sipping coffee when you're sitting at your living room table when you go into the office you feel me you think about you know what i'm saying how black men are positioned within our community especially for people that's in the black community and for the people that's not black that's watching this and the people that's not black that's consuming this whole dialogue that we having right now you should be specifically thinking about how how, how gender specifically is in your community and think about how black men and black women relate to how gender is structured in your community my last question though you feel me if i was to ask that if i was to say black men are the top of the hierarchy within the black community how would y'all feel about that and why i'm gonna repeat the question if i was to say that black men are at the top of the hierarchy within the black community how would you feel about that and why oh I, I, don't think that, I don't think that they are. I don't think that. I mean, I think that there is a, I think that there's a narrative that because men are men, they're supposed to be at the top. And I, that that's the problem. Like, I feel like we can look at history and see the importance of black women. And this isn't to undermine black men, right? I mean, I feel like it, we, the, the circumstances of blackness, as we, as all three of us know, is unique, right? And we can get into those intersections and those nuances or we not even we can we get into those nuances all the time so for me to say what i'm saying in terms of i don't think they are i think that the the role that the black woman has has took in terms of running the black community being there as, as men are you know in prison as men are brainwashed as men are you know what i'm saying murdered you know what i'm saying like there's st what, the one thing that we see is like that black women are, are have taken took on the role like they just did it. Did nobody say, "Hey, y'all gonna have to be single mothers"? They just, they just did that shit. And this ain't even about blaming anybody in particular, but based on the history, yeah, you know I mean, what they've stood for, how they, how they didn't stood strong. Yeah, you know I mean, we are like black men, black women have all our brainwashing that we got to work through. But in terms of that hierarchy, I think um, it is a, it's a, it's a misnomer, it's a myth to look at it, to look at white, uh, especially social hierarchies, and attempt to interpolate. Uh, that white hierarchy into black culture, because as we know, you know what I'm saying, again, it's that that hierarchy, that way of thinking is antithetical to us. And so, like, from from my perspective, it's like, nah, it's the it's the desire to be at the top of this hierarchy instead of kind of creating that balance that creates a lot of the bullshit that we got going on now, which speaks to which that's when you say niggas wanting to be white. Um, I think look, in the comments before I get my answer, Simeon says she agrees because men get more opportunities, which I think just opportunities, credibilities <clears throat> for whom much is given, much is required. And so, uh, you know, you all get 
more opportunities and there's a lot more expectations on you. So I think there is a little mixture of both where it's just like you have the privilege of being seen as more credible as leaders. You have that tie to masculinity that opts you into certain things. And yeah, so that might feel like the pressure is a little bit higher because that's the way that this society is organized. Um, Melodious Rambling says, I think um, that statement is true in some places, but many of us grew up in matriarchal family structures. Big mamas and grandmas led the family units. And that's 1000% my experience. There's one married relationship um, in my family, in my immediate family. And that's my sister and my brother-in-law. Besides that, I saw women run things. I saw my mama be described in my own words as a one woman show in a half of Kansas City. A lot of Kansas City, Missouri will tell you that Carol Green is a freight train coming, coming, but you ain't never seen nobody to the left or to the right of her except for maybe me when I was younger, helping her do special events, doing different things in the city, doing, you know, with her as a city worker. And that's because she recognizes a black woman. She couldn't wait on people. She was a troll. You know what I'm saying? So we see that. We see with a lot of this activism, black women are at the forefront of this. They're the first ones to show up and the last ones to leave when a lot of trauma happens in our communities. And we skip over that part and then make our time rallying for them shorter in comparison to black men when a lot of these tra tragedies and travesties come up. So we see it time and time again. And you can be mad. And this is what I was getting at earlier. You can be mad at what, you know, uh, structural violence and, uh, over-criminalization of black men and, uh, you know, all types of things did to the black familial unit and how it sent black men to prison and killed half of them and did all this and did all that. But the facts are still the facts. And that is like Damo just pointed to, black women stood up, they lined themselves up, they stepped up and they have been leading family and community, not just families, family and community for a long, long time in these United States. And so, I, I, you game recognized game. You got to call facts facts, and any inability to do that is what guess fragility, right? Yeah. And it's a shame. How ironic. Yeah. See, I think I think how I think about it is, I think that black women. As I said, I feel like in the capitalist society, it's always a split between the public sphere and the private sphere. And in my mind, I think that a lot of the labor that black women do is kind of putting in, leading the home and making sure the home is sustainable. But I think that within the public sphere, I think that black men dominate the, uh, the hierarchy within the black community. I think when you think about the different industries that kind of run through and through in the black community, that give one's credibility or legitimacy, like the, like, like the pulpit or the church. We know that literal black woman leadership is demonized and discouraged. We know that black male leadership is a thing that is literally legitimized and even given divine type of, you know what I'm saying, nature. You feel me? When I think about the like the Bible say that a man is supposed like to the be. Bible say the man should lead in this, that, and the other. And thinking about how whether we're talking about black folks in California, you know what I'm saying, Texas or Kansas City, we know like how you know what I'm saying the church is able to sustain the hierarchy within the black community. Another example, a secular example. You know what I'm saying? Would be like hip hop. You feel me? I think that when we think about who gets to tell the story of the black community and who gets to have their voice heard in the black community, I find that black men voices are usually the voices that are amplified the most. You know what I'm saying? And being able to say who gets what, when, where, and how in terms of how the black how the black community operates. My last example would be kind of Black History Month, February. And how though we're able to acknowledge that the black women did a lot of the labor and led a lot of those free breakfast programs and black women were doing a lot of those acupunctures for the Black Panther Party. We know that black men, Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale are the people, are the faces that's given a lot of the political capital and given a lot of the voice and representation in terms of, you feel me, how, 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 how the community is structured. So I agree with what y'all saying in terms of what black women do in terms of leading the home and leading the community. I just think that in terms of the public sphere, it seems 
seems that because a lot of the European white supremacist values and structures is pushed onto our community, a lot of us kind of just conform or conditioned by that kind of ways that it falls in. And I think that that's and to me, that's kind of how I would kind of uh, account for the things y'all said in terms of me still thinking that black men is the top of the hierarchy within the black community. Certainly, I think that job with what uh, Chris is saying in the in the comments, right? Eighty percent of women are the breadwinners in black households. Um, however, which proves that in a lot of ways we have co-opted a, a different, a whole different family hierarchy that does not apply to black families. And yeah. this is historically demonstrated by Nico's comment above that says the major tribes in Africa, a lot of major tribes across the continent are matriarchal. They're led by women historically, right? So this is not new news. This is old news that we have forgotten about in exchange for adapting a relationship in proximity to whiteness, to white maleness, which is exactly what I was talking about in the beginning when I say Niggas end up trying to be flip those power dynamics and want to be like white men, and it don't run like that. Oh, yeah, it don't move like that. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll say this, and then we could, you know, we could close it out, or you can close it out, George. Yeah. Um, I it, it, it again, like I say this all the time, it starts with questioning what you consider normal. You just always got to ask you who told you that was normal. I think one of the biggest words, so uh, the, the a part of my lexicon in terms of debate, some of the most important words that I learned were pedagogy and epistemology that right shit is up. crucial and i think that's that's those are slept on um uh like fields of study because it, it gets to questioning how this information became the valid information that we use and i think a part of the problem is that in order to to survive we assume that we got to play by the playbook now i know what i was talking about in terms of politics that's that's another game you know what i'm saying but in terms of of society and life you know what i'm saying that playbook we that we that we think is what we need to do as, as we move through life it's signs that that shit is just unacceptable to us like everything about the society tells you that it's antithetical to black survival and so adopting its values becomes problematic and specifically when it comes to our relationships and how we understand ourselves and how we relate to other black people adopting the values of uh, any normative values of this society become dangerous for black people. Go ahead, Toya. Got to break down those terms you just used. You said pedagogy and epistemology, and then never tell nobody what they meant. They oh, were- at all. my fault. And epistemology, what are they? So pedagogy is like the, the the framing in which learning takes place. You know what I'm saying? Like the framework for how we uh, we come to understand things and learn things. And then epistemology is the study of how we know what we know. You know what I mean? Like the actual, when it comes to teaching information, how it's considered knowledge, how it's considered normative, how it's considered social. Yeah, how are we taught that? Yeah, you know the example I like to give people for epistemology is if you think that Christopher Columbus sold the ocean blue in 1492, you come from a particular epistemological understanding of the world. You know what I'm saying? If you believe that America is the greatest country in the world, you come from a particular epistemological understanding of the world. Because of what you've been taught about America to make that statement. And then yeah. in terms of pedagogy, I want you to think back to some of your favorite teachers that you've ever had in your life. All of them have had a different pedagogical approach to imparting knowledge or information to you. All of them had a different strategy for how they helped you understand, know, and position yourself around knowledge to teach you how to learn, right? All of them gave you different strategies tech, and techniques to take in knowledge that you're introduced with. So you connect 
uh, the approach that you have to understanding to taking in knowledge. And then you tie that into different perspectives, feeding you that knowledge. And now you have a very interesting relationship, say, for example, in terms of black men, in terms of how then they move around the world, because the mm -hmm. knowledge of the pedagogy of power that they've been given taught them a very particular understanding oh. about the world. And then epistemology gave them a very particular perspective about how then they should treat people around them, how yeah. they should understand the power that they occupy, how they should understand manness versus blackness and the com combination of all of them, right? That's pedagogy and epistemology all tied in together to position what we're talking about in terms of black men. Yeah. yeah. And just to wrap this conversation up, um, in terms- Education is elevation. Oh, oh yeah, definitely a definitely education elevation. <laughs> try to make sure we drop y'all some, some 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 educational gems on the way. Trying to make sure we increase y'all lexicon. Make sure y'all language. That's what you call branding. That's what you, you call branding. Trying to make sure when y'all talk, you very exhilarating. You can make someone you feel me feel every word. You know what I'm saying? And we know that sometimes when you're doing public speaking, when you're able to say a word, they got a couple of syllables in it. You feel me? It make people perk up differently. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but I say y'all have to say this in the end is that when it comes to having unity in the black community, we have to think about how the community is structured in, in terms of how the community, how, how it's a hierarchy in the community. You feel me? Even if you want to say that the hierarchy in some places exists in, in, in this part of the community, but don't exist in that part of the community, you have to be able to really give an analysis for that. Now, in my opinion, I think that trans black people trans black women at the very bottom and then trans, you know what I'm saying, black men, you know what I'm saying, above them, I really think that they at the bottom of the hierarchy. So I believe that in terms of if we when we if we being real with ourselves, we have to give a real analysis of who at the top of the hierarchy. They at the bottom, who on top of them? You know what I'm saying? And that's what we're talking about in terms of unity in the community and I wanted to end with this. If you recognize that there is divisiveness going on in our community and you recognize that there are tools of divide and conquer being used in our community. We cannot ignore them. We should not be divided by them, but we have to deal with how and why they are dividing us. This is the conscious chop. This is the chop up. Holla at your guala, George Lee, consciously, georgeleespeaks.com. Y'all know what's up. All right, before we head out, let me do this real quick right here. One more again, one more again. Hey, if y'all have not already, go to the Chop Up Show on Spotify and follow the Chop Up on Spotify. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead and get them uh, following numbers up. As you can see, we got the Brianna Taylor episode up there. Podcast. Yeah. What did I say? You said Spotify. I just wanted to make sure people know they got options. I'm an Apple Podcast user, so make sure y'all know. Oh, y right, 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 right. As as well as Apple Podcast. <laughs> as well as Apple Podcast. Spotify. But I, I, just, I just wanted to show the Spotify, you know. Just so, just so y'all know that we on there for sure, for sure. Next time I'll show the, uh, the iTunes, but I don't really have iTunes, so yeah, we let the we let the Apple people do this. It's Team Android over this way, sweetheart. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, we hey, we actually we not on Amazon yet. We'll be over there soon. Um, but yeah, every thank y'all for joining yeah. us. Also, remember you can check us out on you. You can check out this whole episode on YouTube uh, at the Chop Up Show. If you're on Facebook, make sure you're following the page at the Chop Up Show. If, uh, I'm pretty sure most of y'all following that consciously, but you can find him on Instagram, twi Twitter, TikTok, all of those cool places at the consciously. You know what I'm saying? And we definitely got the HD leadership. I'm sliding over to YouTube. I got my tripod, my tripod, y'all. So videos coming. I just been giving my little materials. Got my ring light. Uh, what's the YouTube? What's the YouTube? 
Hey, it'll be higher definition LEC, higher definition LEC, but I'll do all that pubbing pretty soon. Just know inspiration, motivation, and some tips on leadership. And when I say leadership, I don't mean you got to have a business, a group, a gang. I mean, leadership is not a title. It's a personality trait, okay? Right. So I want y'all to walk around uh, boss-like in this world. And I want to give y'all some gems and some tips some context on how to get this down. In terms of the Chop Up Show, Chase, we are here every Monday night. We might hit a plot twist and some things might change. So <laughs> Consciously, he'll tell you about that. Bro, but typically, CP time, bro. CP time. <laughs> typically, though, it's Mondays, 7 uh, Pacific, which is where me and Damo is, 9 Central. Um, and then we go from there. So um, make sure you follow, keep up, follow the Chop Up Show uh, Instagram, and you'll be able to know what's good. Jeffrey, shout out to you for following us. If you haven't hit that follow, haven't hit that to sub subscribe on YouTube, on Chop Up Show, on Spotify, on our, uh, Apple Podcasts. Come on. And and the last thing I'll say is this. We are preparing to start. Uh, uh, Joy's already kind of been going with it, but we've we been we preparing to start the public lectures. You know what I'm saying? Going in, we got consciously, you know what I'm saying? Education is elevation. Research. Oh, yeah. hey, research. Hey, hey, the unconscious conscious series is definitely coming soon, man. I got a free class for y'all October uh, 18th, man. October 18th. You know what I'm saying? It's a Sunday. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be on YouTube. We, 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 we will be answering now. Now, this 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 free lecture, you know what I'm saying? We will be answering the question definitively. Can black people be racist? We answering the question, you know what I'm saying? A part of George's unconscious conscious racism, you know what I'm saying? Unlearning that shit and doing better. You feel me? Hey, shout out to Rap Perry. Also, make sure you follow me on TikTok at the political plug. You know, this is where I got my This is where you fucking up series. If you think niggas is fucking up. I'm going to be talking about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yo, hey, y'all stay tuned. We got a lot of shit on the way. Uh, and, yeah, we're going to keep y'all right, up to date. We All out. Right, this is... Hey, the it's the chopper. That's it. We done.